All right, welcome back to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Podcast. And this morning I am joined by Robert Noah and Jessica Noah. <laughs> All right. And I am Elder AJ. And today we'll be covering lesson number 11 for the week of March 11th through the 17th. And it's titled Managing in Tough Times. Before we get started, do you want to open up a prayer for us? Absolutely. Father, as always, we welcome your Sabbath days. Um, we ended this past week, and we are once again reunited in your presence. Lord, we ask that as we go through this lesson, that not only will we be able to uh, remember the times where you helped us through when it was rough, but Lord, that we can take that strengthened faith that you've established in us and use it for the times ahead. We ask that this lesson will be a blessing to not only us, but those that are listening, those that will listen in the future, and we ask that everything will be done according to your will and according to your glory. For the Jesus' name we ask, amen. Amen. All right, so our memory text this morning is found in Psalms 50, 14, and 15, and it reads, Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. That that day of trouble that it's talking about, right? We always talk about the day of trouble, and we often look at it as something that's going to happen in the future. But realistically, for most of us, a lot of people are facing trouble Happens right now. Daily. Right? <laughs> yeah, we're all dealing with some type of trouble. We're all going to go through something that, whether it seems small to another person, but for us it can be a really large thing, something that we're going to have to deal with. And um, we know many people, even in our own church today, are dealing with troubles. They need prayer. They need... You know, they need us to anoint them. They need us, um, they need our companionship and our friendship. And that's something that we don't always think about because we're always like, oh, it's in the future. It's going to be something that's going to happen later on, right? Um, so when we think about that, there's always going to be a strong urge for us to think about ourselves first and our families. And that's I, natural. I think, right. you know, and I was actually going thinking just yesterday about uh, the early church, the the during the book of Acts, you know, the apostolic church and how, uh, where it says, you know, they, they com commune daily together. They broke bread together. They, you know, uh, and how we have a tendency to meet at church, but really not, we don't know anything about most of our church members personal life because we don't interact anywhere outside of church. And really it has, uh, a little bit of connection with my, my sermon today, you know, is how are, um, how are we supposed to come together in a unity of the tr truth when we're not unified? You know, we're, we don't, we don't know anything about each other. We don't, and it is, it is, it has become more, uh, self-centered, you know, you know, I'm worried about what I need to do need for to. me. Whereas, you know, in the apostolic church, everything was for the unity of the believers. Yeah. And I think it just, um, I think we need to get back to that as a movement. And I think when we talk about unity, a lot of times we think about it as, oh, we're all here at church and we all believe the same thing, but we're not really unified in anything else beyond that. Like, yeah, you believe the Sabbath. I believe the Sabbath. You believe. <laughs> but it's just like, uh, where it says, you know, that if you believe it's good, 
but the demons believe and tremble. You know, it's not belief in itself is not enough. It's it's an active belief. Like it, uh, my wife and I were talking just on the our drive into work today. To you church. Yeah, to church. Uh, um, but uh, where in Romans, it talks about, in Romans chapter 4, it talks about how uh, Abraham believed and it was counted to him for righteousness. Yeah. But what did he do with that belief? And then you go to, you know, Hebrews 11. Well, he acted on the belief that he had, yeah. and that is faith. <clears throat> and, that, and that's the thing. I think I, I talked to many people, especially young people growing up in the church, and I know that many have left. And I've had the opportunity to talk to some of them after they left. And like, what was the biggest reason that they left? And they said, well, you know, I really had no friends at the church. Right. You know, I knew a lot of people. I knew everybody and everybody was very nice to me, but I had no friends. And so after they left from church, when they left, you know, Sabbath, they didn't talk to anybody who thought like them. They went back to work and worked with people who didn't think like them. They hung out with their friends from the neighborhood who didn't think like them. So it was hard for them to be able to continue to have that mindset throughout the week when they didn't have any friends who, who they were able to hang around with, you know? And exactly. I know that's something that we've probably all dealt with at some point. Well, I've even thought, you know, it, and the, I point, just like everything else, I point all my thoughts and my directions kind of at me as well as outward, you know. Um, is there something in our personal life that we don't want the people from church to see? Yes, you know, is that, that part of the reason that we, um, that we segregate yeah, we, from we from our church family away that. from church is like, well, I know I shouldn't be doing this, and as long as nobody knows, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, could that could that be part of the reason? You know, remember, you know, when I was a kid back, you know, in in the or in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, you you just showed up to somebody's house, knocked on their door, and they invited you in, you you visit. Yeah. Now you have to plan it ahead, and they're like, everybody's like. Oh, they're you know the elders are coming, the pastors coming, and you know they clean up everything, put stuff away, you know, so it's it's out of sight, out of mind. And is that is that the life we're living? Is it because it, that's more of a facade, yeah, than a than a true experience. That's a good. And so, like it mentions here in the lesson, it talks about that our world sometimes it seems like it's spinning out of control, and we know that that's the case. Just turn on the news, right? We see wars, bloodshed, crime, immorality, natural disasters, pandemics, economic uncertainty, especially now political corruption and we think that you know it's easy to look at all of this stuff and look at it on the news and say well that's happening over there mm-hmm. and it's easy to not um you know kind of Internal. to wrap yeah to wrap yourself up in it you don't want to you don't want to be part of it it's easier to say well I, if i just don't watch the news then it's okay right everything's going to be all right but re- realistically a lot of these things are going to uh, have an impact on us at some point well i'm not i'm going to try not to preach my sermon I know, <laughs> yeah but you know all these, all these things, and I'm gonna actually use Second uh, Timothy chapter three in which we'll, my, which we'll probably read in a while. It, but that's I'm including that in my sermon mm-hmm. today also. Um, but when you get to having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, this is not the world that Paul is writing about. Mm-hmm. This is the church. church. You know all these. Uh, unholy attributes that we see listed yeah. are going to be evident in the church. Because we already know that's going to exist outside of the church, no matter what. It are, it's already there, right? It's the world. That, yeah. you know, we already know it exists in the world. Yeah. That's that's not our, <laughs> our, our concern. It, our battle is not with the world as much as tr- the world trying to encroach and pollute God's church, God's people. 
And I was thinking back this week about um, the kind of the height of the pandemic and how things got really quick and changed really quickly, right? right. I remember um, us having to stand in line to go get food at the grocery store and shortages of just about everything, right? And it caused, it did, it, within our family, even us, it just, it caused panic and fear. Like, are we going to have what we need? And automatically, you're just trying to protect your family, right? You're trying to do what you need to take care of your family. And so we were worried about it and we, you get troubled about certain things like that. And you, you think about what we just read in the verse and that God will deliver us. I would, during that, during that time, I was, um, two little quick incidences. One, I, uh, I was working up in Santa Fe and for lunch, I just went to the grocery store that was right next to the building that I was working in. And you can't make this stuff up. There, uh, two people actually started a fight over the last bag of beans on the row, the aisle next next to where I was. It was a physical fight, yeah. I, and they had to bring security in and th- you know, over a bag of beans, and um, and uh, on the the lighter, more humorous side, I was uh, a couple weeks later. I was driving behind uh, a little truck. I think it was up on Paseo del Norte, and uh, I saw a little bumper sticker on the back window. And it said, I survived the toilet paper shortage of 2020. <laughs> well, I have something to share about that. When I was a single mom of four kids at, at the time. Well, I still, I still have four kids. But anyway, um, I, I couldn't just buy toilet paper, like bulk toilet paper, and just keep it at home, which a lot of people do and, and did before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But they were buying, like, outrageous amounts of toilet paper. And I had one left, and I heard about the shortage, and I thought, Oh, no big deal. And I went to like four or five different stores. I could not find toilet paper. And I said, all right, Lord, well, (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to have to get creative. Um, Anyway, my boss, she bought extra, extra toilet paper. and She gave me two big, um, I don't know, they're not cases, but big things of toilet paper. And they lasted me pretty much through the, the whole time. <laughs> the, through the pandemic. But it was, I, I attribute that to God. You know, he provided for us when, when we need it, you know. And, and one of the things that, what happens with us when we go into trials or, or problems or um, um, issues that we're burdened down with, the thing that it causes is that we, we get so caught up in it that we fail to remember God. Right. Because we're so wrapped up in making sure we have what we need that the, the first thing that should come to our mind is like, hey, let's pray about it. Let's go to God. And no, we, we try to, let's, how, how many stores can I go to, right? Like you All mentioned, right. what can I do? Can I, how can I uh, do some type of uh, trickery to get what I need, right? But instead of going, and that's kind of the whole point of this lesson is the fact that, hey, when something happens, go to God in prayer. Trust him. And, it, and that's hard. It, it seems so simple, right? When you read it, it seems so simple, but it's so hard because we don't, that's not our natural response to do it. It's just not. We, we're just wired to be able to, let's fight for ourselves. Let's go fight for what we need and get what I need right now. And that goes along with what Jesus said, you know, take no thought for tomorrow, what you will wear, what you will eat, what you'll drink. You know, the, pa- the, the pagans worry about these things, you know, and, and you know, have faith in that, that God will provide. Yep. And so it's, uh, and when you really, it takes a lot of stress out of your life if you can actually manage to do that. And if you're walking and leaning on God constantly, you see these things coming and you don't have to worry about it because you know that God has always seen you through and he's not going to stop now. 
Yeah, and that verse that you just read, right? It says, it says right there, for the Gentiles yes. eagerly seek all of these things. For right. your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. When very few of us, when you think about it, when you think back to even through the hard times that we went through, very few of us has ever lacked to the point where, you know, when was the last time you ever went three to four days without food or water? Most people have not. Mm-hmm. And we say, oh, well, somebody is homeless. They probably have experienced it. Okay. Well, people deal with this every day. Yes. But if you look back at your life, you say, well, we had it. We had it hard during these times or we had rough patches. But how many of us have ever went without our basic needs? God's always taking care of us. In one way or another, somehow, God has taken care of us through through those hard times. Uh, I've, I've been through some hard times. I've been homeless twice, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I have gone days without meals. But as you just said, even though it was a rough time, God did see me through. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here right now. Exactly. And um, But it's also... Because of some of the things that I've experienced, it's given me uh, a strengthened faith to know. I mean, even my wife asks me sometimes, you know, why I'm not worried or stressed about some things. She's like, you just act like you don't really care. And it's like, it's out of my control, really. I mean, all I can, all I'm going to do if I stress about it is make myself sick. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, uh, it does. It benefits me nothing, nothing to sit there and, and stress about some. You know, what's that old adage, you know, uh, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the strength to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, we're going to Sunday's portion of the lesson. It talks about putting God first, pretty much kind of what we're talking about now in the first part. Now, throughout this entire quarter, we've seen that putting God first has been pretty much the major theme, right? It's been over and over throughout each lesson. At some point, it's been talking about putting God first and I think the reason for this is because, like we just talked about, we forget so quickly. Mm-hmm. It's something that we don't remember about. Uh, we don't remember when we go into those hard times. And when things start to go smooth again and everything's like, all right, we're, we're feeling good. Times are good. You know, God's blessing us. We don't turn to God as much as we did during the times when things were really hard. Right. right? And I think that's why it's a constantly urged over and over. And so we see in this part, this portion of the lesson in Second Chronicles 20, the story of Jehoshaphat. And I don't know if you guys had an opportunity to read this story, um, but talking about how basically how he was prepared to meet almost any enemy, right? Mm. God had blessed them amazingly with not only um, every fortified cities, but numbers, strength and armies. Yet in this moment, in this particular story, three nations were going to join together to make war against Jehoshaphat. And in that time, and as anybody would, would say, hey, let's, what are we going to do? We're going to get anxiety, worry, fear. No, instead, in this story, he turned to the Lord in the time of trouble and proclaimed a fast throughout the entire land of Judah. Right. And that one act, I believe, is what changed this entire story from going one a different direction than the direction it went, right? So here in this story, he seeks God in this time of trouble. And what God does is God instructs him to go out, stand in front of his enemies, and sing in praise. Now, that's completely contrary to anything that we would imagine in this world, right? But really, you're inviting the presence of God when you do that. Yeah. You know, and I remember, and I wish I could do this more often now, but when I was a, a kid, anytime that I was, I felt melancholy or I was, uh, you know, struggling with something, 
I would start singing like scripture songs and hymns mm. and it, uh, and it lifts you up above the problems that you're facing. Cause why? Because you're inviting, you know, the Holy spirit or his own white says, you know, you're breathing the atmosphere of heaven, mm-hmm. which is going to lift you up above the cares of the, the world. So here he is, obviously in one of the cares of the world. I mean, there was three nations at war yeah, with him exactly, yeah. and he invited the atmosphere of heaven, you know, as instructed, but and as you said, look at the tremendous difference that it made. Can you imagine that decision though? Like having to know that you're having to go to war and not take a weapon, right? <laughs> you're, you're not going to take anything with you. You know, you're not going to take a sword. You're not going to take anything to back you up. You're going to go out and you're going to sing praises to God. Like how many people today would enlist for something like that? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a veteran, you know. I served, yeah. and I was not a conscientious objector, you know. I was <laughs> so, um, uh, I would I would have to say, yeah, that would take a tremendous amount of, of faith. It would, right? It would be. I have a small personal story. I'm not sure if I should share it, but when when I was divorced from my first husband many years ago, he um, he and I were going to court and he had said some pretty awful things about me. He was trying to get custody. And I, um, remember praying about it, crying to, to the Lord and saying, Lord, it's his word against mine. And I have no way to prove this. And I, I just have to trust fully in your strength. I, I don't know what else to do. And, um, you know, everything turned out. I even got sole custody of my kids and, um, and I, I just know that it, it was God's working because um, there's no no way I could have done any of that on my own. Yeah. So I, I think that there are instances where people don't realize, um, you know, they're, they're giving, they're, they're relying on God um, in those difficult times. They just kind of cry out to God and he's there, you know. Yeah, and that's not always our natural response either right. because – in the situation where somebody's attacking you personally, we want to attack them back. Like, you know, personally. Yeah. Yeah. We want to go back at them and say, you know, not only do we want to protect our, our own image and our own name, but we want to attack them back and say, well, if you're saying bad things about me, I have a list of saying bad things about right. you too. And that's always the temptation. But in those situations that, like, you know what? No, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to turn to God who can control the entire situation and not just, you know, me trying to control the situation again. Well, also, and and we refer to God God as our Father. You know, what is you're a father, I'm a father. You know, what is our primary function to instruct and defend our our children? Yeah. And that is, I think, one of the the attributes of God the Father that we really, I think, even though we say Father, we use the word Father in our prayers. But look at when Jesus was at his lowest, he cried, Abba. It's like daddy. Yeah. You know, th- that's the relationship that God wants to have with us. It, you know, fully re- rely on me and, you know, rely on my strength, not on your own. Yeah. You know, l- you know, let me, do, let, <clears throat> invite me and I'll stand up, you know. Just having that perfect trust, right? And, right. And, and the example that I've given before is having two kids they're like you said perfect trust in dad they would used to get up when they were small on the edge of the couch and catch me and fall backwards and just know that i was going to catch him with 
no worry about what's going to happen. Like, hey, I could miss or I can, you know, they could be too heavy and I could drop them. But they believed with all their heart that I was going to catch them and that they weren't going to get hurt. And they would do it over and over and over again, right? The the story of the, the dad down in the basement, you know, he's finished doing what he's doing. He turns off the light and his son is comes and stands at the top of the stairs well, the dad's looking up. He can see the child, but the child's looking down to a dark hole. He mm-hmm. can see nothing. And the boy calls out, you know, Dad, are you down there? And he goes, yes, I can see you. Jump, I'll catch you. And without a thought, the boy jumps. jumps into the dark. <laughs> you know, into a dark hole. Why? Because his father has never let him down before, mm-hmm. and he knows that if his dad says he's going to catch him, he's going to catch him. Yeah. And that's faith. It's not blind faith. Yes, he's jumping into a blind hole, but that faith has been established through a relationship. And that's what God wants with us. He wants to establish faith through a relationship. And like you said, it's not just what you can see because he can't see it. Right. What he sees is darkness. There's nothing in front of him other than the fact of... But God can see the whole picture. Yeah. What's even cool about that is when we have a relationship and we spend the time with him, we begin to take on some of his traits and characteristics and we reflect those on others. And reflecting those on others, that's that's kind of the whole point, right, of what he wants us to do. And sometimes we're, we're reflecting that to other people and uh, not even saying a word by doing it. Mm-hmm. Just as how we act and, and our characters and what we do, you know. And that's, that's, to me, that's always been the bigger thing about telling me somebody, somebody's character, how, how, uh, how close they are to God mm-hmm. based on how they act. Not just what you say, because anybody can stand up and say anything great. Right. It could be a great speaker. They can, you know, like I say, they could teach a great Sabbath school class. It doesn't matter, but it's how those people treat people when they're off of that stage, off of that platform. Mm-hmm. That's what I want to see, and that will determine a lot about, who who, yeah, who you really are. Mm-hmm. And so going back to that story here, um, in Second Chronicles twenty twelve, it tells us that that he prayed that we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And that should be a prayer that we always say, right? That should be something that we continually go back to when we're going through these hard times, when something happens um, and we, we feel that, that things are so great against us and we don't know what to do. There's many times in our lives that we've gone through stuff where I really don't know what to do. I don't have an answer. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of things we go through in life where we say, oh, well, I know what to do. You know, we would stand up ahead of God and say, I can do this, God. I, watch me do this, and I'll handle the situation on myself. But there's those situations where we go through where we don't even have an answer. We have nothing to, like, I don't know what to do in this situation. I wouldn't even know what to, uh, how, how to proceed, you know. Uh, my ch- I'm doing the children's story t- today as well. And my children's story is about <clears throat> a, a father and a child working together in a garden and the child wants to help and impress his father. And, you know, so he starts, you know, pulling a little bit of weeds and clearing out some trash cause they're getting the, the new garden ready to, mm-hmm. to, to plant and grow. And the dad says, well, see that rock over there, you know, why don't you go move that rock and use any means at your disposal. Well, the kid goes over and he tries to grab it but it's buried, so he starts digging around, and it ends up being, you know, a much bigger rock than it looked like on the, the surface. on the surface. <laughs> and he's getting, you know, pry rods and sticks, and you know, all these things that are around, you know, trying to move this rock, and he can't move it, and he starts getting discouraged. And his father walks over, and he goes, 
have you used every means at your disposal? And the kid goes, I've tried everything. I don't know what else to do. And he goes, what about me? I'm a means at your disposal. <laughs> and the father helps him, and they're able to move the rock. And uh, so I think that goes right along with what you were, you were just saying, you know, yeah. that we have the greatest source yeah. at our disposal, <clears throat> and it's always the last option that we choose. Exactly. It's the last option. It's, it's the one. should be our first. Yeah. And he wants it to be our first. And that's, the, I think, the whole point of all of these lessons about trusting in God, where it keeps mentioning it over and over, is learn. It's something that can be learned. And that's the greatest part about it, is that something that can be learned that any of us can, can go through and be able to say, okay, well, my life, I've always done this. You know what? I'm going to try I'm gonna try God's way next time. When something happens, I'm going to try putting him first and see what happens and see the outcome. Because... I could look back at all the situations in my life and say, well, I didn't put God first here, 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 right? Right. And I saw the outcome. I saw the consequences that I had to do off of my own actions. But the times I look back and say, well, those times when I put God first, and wow, that thing was a lot easier than it really was than I, than I thought in my head. Right. Right. And, and it won't always be that way. We have to be understanding that it's not always going to be instant, right? There's not going to always be this instant answer to prayer. Sometimes things are going to drag out a little bit, and sometimes it's going to go on a little longer because... He but that's our for our benefit. Yes, maybe you know, one to test our it, faith. It it te- not only tests our faith, but it strengthens our reliance mm-hmm. on God. You know, when we, when God says, "All right, I'm just going to hold back," and you know, really make him pray earnestly. That's not God leaving us to our own devices. That's actually God strengthening us by uh, relying more heavenly heavily on him than we originally were. Yeah. You know, it's not that he wants us to fail. It's that he wants us to understand that, you know, the success is going to come through our reliance on him. Yeah. And if it's just constantly giving us everything like a genie one after another, after another, what kind of relationship is that? Even even for us on our end, isn't it? Oh, it's that I, I ask you give, I ask you give. And he's like, well, I really want to see your heart. I want to but see what your true intentions are. I want to see if there's, a, there's there's more than just you wanting to receive something from me and then you go on your way. Right. Right. It's established. So as we move on to Monday, talking about trusting God, not your own resources. So we already know that it's in our human nature, right, to trust our own works, or in this case, our resources. Um, what do you guys think are modern-day resources that we trust in? Obviously, finances. You know, or in anything, right? That that's um, and that's one thing that I I've shared, you know, with different testimony and stuff with you know different things that I've done in my life where if I would have become successful in the things that I was aspiring to do, mm-hmm. that I would have never come back to God because I would have seen myself as self-made, and I would have not seen my need. So uh, I think, and some people handle different things better than others. You know, uh, some people can handle finances better than, than others, you know, but it is a big temptation when you're financially secure that, well, I'm not as dependent on God because I've got all this myself. And then you're you're like Nebuchadnezzar, isn't this the great Babylon that I've (laughs) built? You know? So especially um, retirement accounts, investment accounts, we could put a lot of trust in those things because it's, oh, our future is secure. We're but take, look at right now, care of, you know, you know right now people that are wealthy, 
as soon as they're can you know the cancel culture that's going on right now it literally takes a stroke of a keyboard yeah. to lock them out of their own finances <laughs> you know and people that are worth millions that can't ex- you know access their their accounts because somebody has locked them out so there is no um, there is no security even if you think you have all that some because n- nothing is um, with actual money anymore yeah, everything's it's not, electronic it's all, it's all it really literally takes somebody to push a button and all of a sudden you can't access yeah, but wasn't yeah. there a large bank recently that like lost all their money somewhere in california yeah. Yeah, nick mentioned it last week but oh, the silicon valley also, bank oh, yes silicon and then valley, that's right. um this past week two more banks in, also in, in new york and and so um, it's like you know you look at that as saying well that's just a small number of banks but it, it still is enough to cause people to start to panic just right. a little bit. Like, well, if those <laughs> banks failed so quickly and so easily, what about my money? <laughs> you know, right. Everybody starts questioning it. And so those are the things that we, yeah, you could say we put our trust in. We could also put our trust in um, if we have property, large number of assets, maybe something that we say, oh, I can liquidate that quickly if I need to, if I need to get money quickly. Um, what about, what do you think about our jobs or positions? I know some people can hold those in like really high regard and say, well, I have this job that's untouchable and nobody's going to fire me and I'm secure for a long time. You know? uh, I, and I'll use myself once again as an example. You know, my, my boss has told me, well, first they said, she said that uh, I had a job until I retired. I'm like, well, you can't even really promise me that. You can only promise me a job until you retire. You can't <laughs> rep- promise yeah. me anything after that. Yeah. But, you know, unforeseen things can happen at any time we've we've seen that especially throughout the last three or four years yeah you know and uh we're and we're a small business you know how quickly have we seen small businesses all of a sudden close their doors because they're no longer able to function you know as a small business how easy would it be you know something economical to happen on a large scale And she has to close her doors, you know. She can liquidate and retire, and but where away. does that yeah. where does that leave me? I mean, you can go in Monday morning. <laughs> there's a sign on the door that says, you know, right. "Sorry, <laughs> we're done. We're done, pretty right. much." And th- and that's the re- the reality of everything right now is that there's nothing there's nothing really secure. Um, and we read the story here in First Chronicles twenty one one through fourteen, talking about David, and it's talking about David um, when he did the census. Yes, when he counted after God right? told him not to exactly. And the interesting thing about that story was that he wanted to see how much his army had grown as a result of his own leadership. Right. Something that we often do with our bank accounts, right? We're like, hmm, like, I tally up how much I've done in, in the past couple of years. Oh, yeah, look what I've been able to do. And so what he did is he, he, he was crediting himself for those increases and those victories that he gained. Um, and the second thing is by relying on those numbers of his army, it would decrease his trust in God. Right. And that's kind of what you mentioned a while ago, too, is that the fact that when we have more money, when we have more means to be able to take care of ourselves, our reliance on God is a lot less because you say, well, I don't have to worry like those other people because I have enough money to take care of me for the future. Right. right. And so that's one of those things that happens. Um, and so that's what he was dealing with here as well. So today, if we have increases, like the lessons have been talking about so much for the past couple of weeks, is that we should be focusing on using that time and resources to help us on ourselves, get us out of debt, help those in need and give to, you know, church causes as those needs arise. And those are kind of like the three things. If we could start with those three things, we'd be in a much better position, right? Just continue to make sure that we're, um, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit about simplification. 
Um, and I thought it was an interesting quote here on the bottom in, in the notes where it talked about, it said, not freedom from trial, but in the midst of it is the Christian character developed. Oh, I like that. Um, that story right there on the, in the middle paragraph, um, about Oliver Cromwell, mm-hmm. you know, uh, put your trust in God, but keep your powder dry. Yeah. You know, I mean, God, you know, it's been said, you know, that God will do for us those things that we cannot do for ourselves. So, yes, we need to have that full reliance on God, but we still need to be active in doing our part also. Exactly. You know, it's yeah. not, I mean, don't just say, oh, well, since I'm not really in control, God's in control, I'm just going to not go to work. And, you know, God's going to take care of everything because it doesn't work that way either. God gives you a means to support yourself. You know, you and I work with our hands. You know, he's given us a trade, a skill that we can use to support a family. And that's not to be taken for granted either. And I know, I'm sure, just just like me, you saw many people after a pandemic that did exactly that. Right. You know, maybe got to live off of government money for a while. And then afterwards it was like, uh, are you going to go back to work? No, God's going to take care of everything. You know, he'll, he'll take care of me. And then they had to pay it back. <laughs> but, but the, but the <laughs> they tru- didn't realize they had to pay it back. The truth of the matter is that is a means that God uses to take care of everything is giving you the ability yeah. to, to support yourself and support your family. Support yourself, yeah. But it never meant the fact that they just had to stop working right. completely. Right. Like they were just like, oh, I'm just going to not do anything else anymore. Well, right. Yeah. And, and well, I knew people that did that also. And then they panicked because they weren't working. And then all of a sudden they had this bill for money that they received during the pandemic that they didn't realize. They thought it was free money. No, you have to pay it back. Especially with like, um, like with the state and having right. they paying overpaying those benefits. Right. And sometimes they didn't realize they had to pay those that amount back it's like or that it was considered taxable income <laughs> you know and they're like well i didn't even work this whole year how do i owe taxes well because you accepted this <laughs> still got money then there was an increase right, right. yeah so those are all little things that you know a lot of times people don't think about but it's interesting how um how that happened and we saw that happen i think everybody saw that happen with some somebody my, we knew my yeah. grandpa used to say the lazy man works twice as hard it's true on the bottom there of this of this portion of the lesson, it asks the question, how do we strike the right balance between doing what we can, for instance, to be financially secure, and yet at the same time trusting in the Lord for all things? I think we've really been talking about that through the whole <laughs> Monday. I mean, actually the, through the whole lesson, but um, I think it's like I, I just said about, you know, you and I, for example, you know, we're in the construction trades. We work with our hands not to take it for granted yeah. yeah, that God has given me a gift and a means and to use it and not just, you know, stand by idly and twiddling my thumbs, Exactly, you know, but um, you look at the story of the prodigal son, you know, when he decided to return to the father, you know, he had to take that, those steps. Yeah. He had to leave the pig pen and start walking. But as soon as he, started the father saw him a great ways off and ran to embrace him you know that yes god is the prodigal father we are the son you know and but we have to take that those steps yeah, steps yeah you know god can show us the path but he can't move our feet yeah so to say so we moved to tuesday and it talks about a time to simplify and um this one really was really personal for me because this is something that i 
that I dealt with. Um, we were talking, me and my wife were talking about this yesterday, like how it was, it was about, it's been, been about 12 years now. And um, we went through extremely hard time. I pretty much lost everything. They repossessed my truck. Um, my house was on the point of re- repossession, but we ended up selling it on a short sale. So they're able to sell it off. And turns out that New Mexico is not one of those states that protects you from that. Mm-hmm. So two years later, I got this massive bill for the remaining part of the balance that they said you have to pay because you didn't give us all the money that you owed us. Right. So we we pretty we literally lost everything. I remember at one point I had a small pickup truck and I had everything I owned in about thirteen boxes in the back of my truck. And I was like, that's it. That's everything. I went from having a brand new house, t- uh, two vehicles, down to. 13 boxes in a little pickup truck. And I was like, that, that was like a huge shift. And I remember looking back at that and saying, okay, we basically have almost put to the point of getting to rock bottom. You know, we had to live with family until we were able to reestablish ourselves. But one thing that we did when we were able to start to reestablish ourselves and, you know, promising to God, okay, we're not going to get into these situations and make bad choices because we made a lot of bad financial choices when we were young, is that we said, we always talked about when we move forward, no matter what, we are going to be more simple mm-hmm. in all things. Because, you know, you have, it's easy to get a house and a garage and pack it to the top with junk that we didn't need. And it's like, why do I need all this stuff? And so we pretty much established the fact that, look, if we haven't used something in six months, out it goes. I don't care if it's new. I don't care if, if we haven't used it. There's obviously a purpose why we don't need it anymore. Right. And even when we bought our um, our house now, we, we were like, we need a shed because we don't have a garage. So I was like, no, no, but we're going to build a little shed because if we build a little shed, we'll store less stuff. It's like a woman with a purse. <laughs> if you give her a little purse, she puts a little bit. If you, The bigger her pur- purse you get, the more stuff she carries. Especially <laughs> if she has children. Um, yes, yes. <laughs> but so I, I, I'm almost the opposite. Because I've always been almost a nomad for my entire adult life, you know, ne- never planning roots. And when Jessica and I decided that we were going to get married, mm-hmm. I promised her and her children a better life than what they were living. Yeah. And so I've, I had never owned a house. I had, n- you know, always had that car that I could go pay cash and, you know, mm-hmm. pay off. And everything that I owned fit into it. You know, I was, you know, when I started coming church to church here, I was living in my fifth wheel and everything that I owned was in that fifth wheel. It literally took me half an hour to move, yeah. you know, and now I'm almost in, in, I, I say almost every day because, you know, they've lived in the same place for a long time and they've <laughs> accumulated stuff. And I'm like, well, we have, kids too. we have more stuff then we have room. Yeah. Can we get rid of some of the stuff? Well, no, we can't get rid of this and we can't. Well, I, I have like a chest of all like things the kids made and some things that were my grandmother's. That, <laughs> okay. But no, I'm just saying it, um, it, that it, for me, I, with the lifestyle that I lived up until this point, yeah. I never had anything that I couldn't walk away from. Okay. You know, yeah. but now I have, you know, the house and the in you know and a car and you know all the these things and every once in a while I'm like man I kind of miss that simpler <laughs> life that I had <laughs> you know um, just because it, it's it's really a culture shock for yeah. me personally yeah you know um, but I'm we're but we're still as a means of providing a life you know a life 
but still simplifying, you know, you have to, There's a balance you, have, there. you have to balance that out. There's here. a balance. Yeah. And that's one thing that we had to do for ourselves is just to have to be a, a, a good balance of, okay, this is the core things of what we need and what we're supposed, what we need to have. And then there's this extra stuff that we know we don't need. Sometimes we want, or sometimes we just hoard because we just feel like that's what we need to do. Like, but one of the, one of the things that we dealt with early on is that we were always, well, the reason why we got in that situation in the first place is because we were always chasing what other people had. Like, oh, these, these group of people, our friends here, they have this, they have this. So we need to get this too. Keeping up with the Jones. That's right. And we, <laughs> and we did. We, we literally were following that to the T of just like, we have to keep up. We have to keep up. And it caught up to us at one point. It finally caught up to us where all of this it came crashing down. And then so when we had to, when we began to rebuild, it's like, okay, that temptation was always there. Like we need, oh no, hold on, hold on. We've been through this before. Let's make sure we're making a good choice. Yeah. Making the right choices, involving God this time. Cause the first time I did not involve God while being a seventh Adventist, by the way, <laughs> still coming to church constantly. I, I didn't have that connection to be, to make sure that I was doing what he wanted me to do. Even though in the back of my head, he was talking, Hey, don't do that. Hey, that's a bad choice. Hey, this is going to catch up to you. No, 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 no. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. I'll be okay. You know? uh, her and I, you know, we have, uh, we've got gotten where, you know, if we need to, to make another large purchase, we make sure that at least one other thing has been completely paid off, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. to, so we don't end up, uh, living beyond our means. Exactly. And, and sometimes there's something that might be nice or it might be uh, even a necessity, but we have to do without for a little while to make sure that, you know, we can, that we can afford <clears throat> to payments without putting ourselves in, in a, in a, a negative position. Yeah. And, but we have prayed, you know, before we made financial decisions and, there's been some where God has opened the door and everything just went boom, 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 and it happened. Mm-hmm. And other things where door slammed in our face and we're like, okay, we're not supposed to go that way. Supposed to, yeah. You know, I mean, I would have been nice if my nose was, you know, not in the door when it closed, <laughs> but you know, sometimes I need, you know, a little abrupt redirection. <laughs> yeah. And, and one of those things like you, um, like we talked about is, is making those purchases. We often look at it and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm young, I'm healthy. I, I'll be able to work for, this many years to pay for that off, pay that off. But like it talks about here and it says your life can end before you finish reading this week's lesson. Right. Right. And the next thing you know, you will see the second coming of Jesus. We have no idea what's going to happen. So we can't like, you know, base everything on what we do based off of the future because the future is not guaranteed to us. Correct. Yeah. And that was one of the, that was one of the main points that I, that I was thinking about on this lesson as well. Um, and another one of those questions on the bottom that was interesting was, if you knew Jesus was coming within 10 years, how would you change your life, within five or within three? And even if you want to rephrase that question to something else and say, how would you change your life if you knew you were going to die in three, five, or 10 years? What would we do different than what we're doing today and how we're planning for our future? When, when I was a kid uh, at church, the, the pastor preached, you know, a real good sermon on, you know, preparing for end times. And after the church, I was, you know, I was probably eight or nine years old. And some, one, I think it was one of the deacons, you know, was talking to my dad and they said, well, what if Jesus comes tomorrow? And I turned around and looked at him and I said, well, what if Jesus comes today? And the whole foyer went just absolutely <laughs> silent, silent, you know, um, 
and that, but Jesus tells us that's how we're supposed to live, yeah. you know, as if, you know, to watch and be ready because you know not, you know, to stand just like the uh, the Passover, stand there with your jacket on, your staff in your hand, mm-hmm. and your pack on your shoulder, you know, ready to walk out the door. Yeah, I have a thought too. When I was a single mom, I lived up there on the hill in a single mobile home, single wide mobile home with four kids and. My rent was $500 a month, which is like nothing in this day and age. Comparison today, yeah. yeah. But that's how much I was paying, what, a year ago? Um, and I would, I, I, my kids would often say, oh, these kids have this and this and that. And I would say, you know what? There's kids in other countries that you have more than they, they have. Oh, we have. Yeah. We have a lot. We should just be thankful for what we have. God's provided everything we need. You know, we're happy. And, um, and that, I think that's, you know, Part of the issue, too, is our attitude. We, we just need to, you know, realize that we have what we need, and and God's going to provide provide whatever it is we need. He knows, yeah. you know. And the interesting thing about that is us. that it's usually connected to our environment because, like you said, right. we're in America, and right. so America pushes this ideal that you're supposed to have this and have this. Right. And, you know, if you don't have this type of stuff and you're not driving this car, then you're not up to that standard. And like you said, if you go and go in many other places in the world, that's not the standard. The standard is, <laughs> hey, if you have a pair of shoes, you're you're awesome, you right. know? Right. <laughs> and, and it just depends on where, where you're at, your environment. And like I said, um, like even for us, growing, you know, me and my wife, when we first got married, is our environment was such a small little bubble. Like we're just looking at the people that are around us mm-hmm. and you get away from all of that and you step back and you look at everything and you realize, what was I? What was I fighting that for? Like there was no purpose to it at the end, you know. And then you look back and say, "Well, I could be doing this." And and I'll tell you, live, do, making those changes and living a sim- more simplified life, it's it's a lot less stressful. Right. You know, it's a lot less stressful than having to try to keep up and being on being on the other end of that. Remember remembering how we had to, you know, we were sacrifice so many things or try to take on more hours at work to try to make more money to try to keep up, and like the stress that that caused was was just enormous and. Uh, you know, it had an effect on our marriage as well, and that's there's a, there was a lot of negative negative parts of that. All right, so um, we'll just cover real quick cover priorities, and then we'll finish because I think this is uh, this is also another important right. thing. And ta- on Wednesday, I talked about priorities, and when we think about that word that word priority. It's a meaning. Um, its meaning is that there is one thing that is more important than any other thing, right? Um, when I make a list of things to do, when I say, oh, these are the things I got to do through the week, and I put all this list down, the thing that's number one is usually my top priority. Like, this has to get done no matter what. Right. But the thing, <laughs> what happens sometimes is that we say, oh, the, I'm going to list all of these things, but this section, these five are my top priorities. Like I said, priorities with an S. What's the problem with that is that we're never going to get the things done right. because we're going right. to think that we have to work a little bit on this one, a little bit on this one, a little bit on this one, and then we're never going to actually finish anything. And so that priority is no longer a priority, but it's priorities. And I think this is what happens when in our everything that we were talking about this morning, especially in our relationship with God, my highest priority should be to follow God. Well, I think that goes right back to the that verse, you know, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Mm. I think that's exactly what Jesus that's was talking the about. the priority, right? Right. And so instead of everything else that I throw in there at the same, oh, well, this is a priority, this is a priority, this is a priority, except the one thing that he wants us to have is our priority. Right. And we make that list of priorities. And it, no, it never works out. 
Right. We never actually get anything done. But it will work out if you put God first. It all will work out. Yeah. It but all maybe not the way we had. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, not in the way of my list, right? right. It's not going to be like one through seven. It's going to be like one, three, seven. <laughs> so well, it's, you know, God has already shown that he puts us first. What's going to happen if we put God first? He'll you go know? before us. Isn't there a scripture? God will go before us and he'll straighten everything out. But he's, ar- he's already promised. He's already shown. Right. You know. So if we put God first, let him put us first, we don't have to worry about it so much. Yeah. The hardest part is getting us to do that decision Submit. in the first place, right? <laughs> like we have to actually get our ourselves in that right mindset to know when I'm going to something, that's my first response. Like over and over and over. That's what I'm that's what my first response is gonna be. And that's the hardest part for us is getting there. Right. Right? Because that's not our not that's not gonna ever be our natural response. Um so basically to close everything up, um, this week there's the kind of a few main points to sum up the entire lesson is that though there's nothing in the Bible that warns against accumulating wealth, it's the accumulation of that, um, that, that can sometime have an effect on our spiritual commitments because it's, it's we, not the love of money or it's not money. It's the love of money. Yeah. And it's not the, those, those necessarily those things are bad because we all have need right. of those things like we talked about, but it's how those things get in the way of our spiritual commitment with God. Exactly. Increasing one's own wealth does not promote the Christian virtues of self-denial and self-sacrifice. Exactly. And that's one of the things that, that, that Jesus kind of went over and over with when he talked about the rich and the rich and the rich, right? It wasn't that it was wrong to be rich. It was that being rich was going to be a lot if harder If it blinds you. you, yeah. Exactly. Or if you don't see your reliance, you know, yeah. on God that, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, and finally, we need to trust God, make him our one main priority, simplify the things in life, to where everything else is secondary, right? God first, everything else is secondary. And like you said, like you mentioned too, it doesn't mean that we're not supposed to work hard, we're not supposed to have good things. It just means that we have to be aware that those things don't interfere with our Christianity. Amen. Amen. All right, let's close. Go ahead and close the prayer. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for allowing us to have this time to study the lesson and to be able to talk about um, these issues that we all deal with when we're going through hard times and how you want us to be able to manage them, Lord. We know that it is our natural response to be able to, to, to we want to try to take over the situation, and we want to um, lead before we come to you in prayer, Lord. And we pray that you will help us to realize that and help us to make the right choices in coming to you first when we're going through any hard times in our lives, whether it be financial or whether it deals with family or whether issues in the church, Lord. We ask that you will help us to think of you first, to come to you in prayer, and help us to follow your leading, Lord. Sometimes we come to you in prayer and you give us the answer and we don't like the answer. And so we go our own path anyway. And we ask that you will help us to follow the path that you have laid out for us. Give us the wisdom to discern between the two and the strength to follow. We thank you for continuing to lead us and helping us through these situations as we continue in our Christian walk. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelssda.org.